energy. So this guy in the fantasy baseball chat is just ripping me. He's calling me names for how I handled my team. Buddy, you had 20 weeks for your own team to play better. Don't be mad at me. The passion. Mac Jones is fighting not just for his Patriots job, but he very well may be fighting for his NFL future. The opinions on all your favorite teams. For the Red Sox, it can't always be about next year. It can't always be about down the road. Where's the team that battles for now? This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? A happy Friday here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Always streaming for free on the WDEV radio app. we got a shorter show tonight. We're on for an hour, 5.30 until 6.30. Then it's Norwich Cadets Hockey. They're taking on UMass Boston at Kreisberg Arena. Our coverage at uh, 6.35. The puck drops at 7. we got a lot to get to. Got a lot of kind of fun stuff. I want to talk a little bit about Kaya. i got a story I want to run by Danny here. I want to get some of your thoughts on things on the text line, 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. It is a football talk Friday. We will have Phil Perry, Pat's Insider at NBC Sports Boston with us. He will be with us at about 6.05 or so. And we'll do our six-pack of NFL questions as well. But, Danny, let go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete Locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber also at Rouse's Point, New York. They're online at sixandstuff.com. So before we get into any of the football stuff, right, and before I talk about Kaya, which I want to do, I want to tell you, Danny, about my, my morning here, right? So we had a, we had a going away party for Kaya and we had it in the break room. We had lunch and everybody came. It was awesome, right? We're hanging out with, all the salespeople are there and some former coworkers, even people I'd never met that worked at DEV a long time ago that had worked with Kaya, but it never worked with me. So it was a blast, right? I got to meet some people from the DEV history books. I got to, you know, see people I don't see every day like Jack Donovan. So it was a lot of fun. And I knew that was at one o'clock. So I came into work a little later today and I came in kind of, I was like getting in right for that one o'clock. So I went to Waitsfield. And I stopped over at Darad, right? And I was saying this yesterday in the afternoon news service that I wanted to go to Darad because I'm trying to get my mom a computer for for Christmas, right? Like my mom is 60, but she does, she works a lot still. I wish she didn't work as hard as she does or as much as she does, but she works really hard. And she just needs a better computer, like a better computer or a faster computer. So I said yesterday I wanted to go into Darad, and Darad opens up at noon on Friday. It's like a soft day for them. Dave is, has kind of eased off his schedule, so Tim takes over the shop on Friday, and he starts working at noon. So I kind of misjudged my timing. So I get to Waitsfield at like 11.35, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit outside here. It's cold. It's actually like 10 degrees colder in Waitsfield than it was here even. It was actually snowing in Waitsfield. And... I'm like, well, I'm not just going to sit here on the front porch and, you know, wait for noon to come. So I went up the road and I went to the village grocery. And even though I knew we were about to eat lunch here with Kaya's party, I stopped at the VG and I got the Brady Farkas sub. And the Brady Farkas sub is huge. And I didn't necessarily need it because, again, I knew I was going to eat. But I'm like, look, I'm not in Waitsfield every single day. So when I'm in Waitsfield... I should stop, and I have a little extra time. I should get the sub. I should go into the VG, and I was hoping Troy would be there. Now, Troy had just sold the place. Obviously, you know this, but he uh, still kind of hangs around. I was hoping I could meet the new owner, Tal, and I go to the front desk, and I ask, hey, is Troy here? She goes, no, 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 no. You know, he sold the place. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I know, but I was just wondering. And I introduced to her who I was. I'm like, hey, I talk to these guys every week on the news. I just kind of wanted to introduce myself to Tal. He goes, well, I'm not sure if he's here. He just stepped out. So I go kind of to his office where she directs me, and he wasn't there. Okay, fine. So I'll have to meet Tal another time. So I then go back to the deli area, and I'm like, I want the Brady Farkas sub. And on the counter, there's actually a picture of me with what the sub is. So it says, like, the Brady Farkas sub is in honor of Brady from WDEV. Here's what's on it, yada, yada, yada. So I ask for the sub. And... The woman at the counter who's making the sub has absolutely no idea who I am. 
and that's fine, right? Like, I don't need the ego boost of this, of, of anybody knowing who I am out in public. I'm not in it for the arrogance of the whole thing. But I'm wondering myself, Danny, this is a very Levitard type shtick here. Um, what, what, what should I have done in this scenario? Like, do I make a comment so that she knows who I am and that the sub is named after me and here I am getting the sub? Do I drop like a little bit of a hint like, hey, do you know who I am? Or do I just kind of go through, uh, don't announce it, just get the sandwich and go home? What would you have done and what do you think I did? I think you pointed at that little picture there. You see? No, I didn't do that. No? No, I, I played it cool. I was secretly hoping she would know. Like, I was hoping. Now, the picture, in her defense, the picture was facing out, right? Like, the picture is facing me. So, because she's really good at her job, she knows what's on the sub. She doesn't have to look. It's not like she has to look at the flyer to be reminded what's on it. If she had to pick up the flyer, turn it around, look at it, she may have made the connection. But she never made the connection. So I just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to take the Brady Farkas sub. And she gives it to me, and I go, and I go back to the front counter where I just talked to the other woman about Troy and Tal. I'm like, hey, okay, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to pay. And she knew who I was because I just introduced myself. But this woman at the counter, I'm like, I don't know how to play this. Like, do I drop a little hint? Like, oh, here I am, Brady Farkas sub. Like, that hey, went in Waitsfield. I guess I better get it. Ha, ha, ha. Like, point at the picture. Like, hey, it's me. I didn't want to do that. I was like, that sounds like a really arrogant move. But then on the other hand, I was like, I don't know. Is it weird for me to just, like, be so inconspicuous and just go along with it? And that's what I ended up doing. I think that was probably the right answer because I think it's too much of an arrogant power play if I had said, like, hey, do you know who I am? I'm the guy with the sandwich. <laughs> or I'll take my sub. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> What a jerk move that would have been, right? Yeah. What do you want? What can I get you? Can I get you a turkey club? Can I get you a BLT? Uh, BMT press? Uh, no, I'll take the sub named after me. Well, who the hell are you? Like, that's, that's how that. Why else do you think I'm here? That's how that would have followed. The only way you could have been a bigger jerk is if you had said, you know, that sub's named after me. Can I get it for half price? Like, if I had said, like, hey, does the guy, if you order the sub named after you, do you get a discount? <laughs> That's the only way I think I could have been a bigger jerk. Is if so, she she didn't know it was me when I came in. I elected not to tell her it was me while I was there. Uh, I have not had the sub yet because I've you know I had the 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 big lunch here at the station party. So the sub is waiting for me in the station uh, refrigerator. I will have it either tonight or tomorrow, maybe half tonight or tomorrow. But uh, when I'm in Waitsfield, I gotta get the Brady Farkas. I have to. Like, what's on it, by the way? Turkey, ham, and roast beef with American cheese, lettuce, tomato, and Russian dressing. It's all three meats. Sounds pretty good. It's very good. It's very filling, and it's it's very big. I asked for no lettuce this time, just because I knew there was a chance I was going to leave it overnight. Like I was not going to eat it until tomorrow. I really want day, you know I didn't want to have like yeah, day no. old lettuce. No, that was, I know. You know, and now it's going to sit in the fridge, and it's going to rub up against the Russian dressing, and it's going to be soggy. So I elected to go with no, with no, uh, no lettuce on it. So I was like, I'll take the Brady Farkas sub without the lettuce. And um, you think you the microwave will fix that? No. And I think the microwave will make it worse. The sub will always be good, but as far as the lettuce goes, I think it would be worse. By the way, my text line is down, Danny, right now. So on my computer here. So if anybody is texting in. You're gonna kind of have to give me the heads up. So, okay. Uh, 802-585-3026. I know Ross got in earlier, wanted me to know he works at Gillespie Fuels and Propane, and uh, he loves it there. So, uh, all right, you can get in. 802-585-3026. Before we get into football, I do want to say a couple words about Kaya. Um, I have worked here for three years. Right, September of 2020 is when I came in. Kaya has, uh, you know, I have been here so for, for just over three years. And Kaya has worked here for 40 years. She just announced her retirement from the radio business uh, earlier this week, and we had our goodbye party for her today, and you know, that was awesome. Like I said, to see, you know, not only say goodbye to her, but to see everybody, you know, kind of from the stations, past and present, together. There was like 30, 40 people here. You know, Roger Hill was in here live, and we had Jack Donovan in here, and, you know, Greg Titus is here, and Brent Curtis is here, and, and it's everybody, right? And a bunch of the Squire family. So it was great. Um I'm going to miss Kaya a lot. And, you know, because 
Well, number one, Kai is just very nice, and she's really very nice to me. And she's certainly super talented, and, and everything she did front-facing on the air, whether it be the party calendar or the news when she was doing that, or everything she did behind the scenes, she was really good at her job, and she was really valuable to the station. She was always great to me. But you know, th- there was a time, Danny, before you started working here, or not working here, but working this shift, that Kaya and I were kind of the only people in the building for a period of time because a lot of people in the building will work very, very early, right? Like people will get here at 7.30 in the morning, and they'll be done by 3.30 or so. Like they'll work the eight-hour day, but they will have started at 7.30 instead of starting it at 9. And I always get here, you know, between 11 and 1, kind of depending on what I'm doing for that day. So... For a while, it was always Greg Hooker up here doing the getaway, or Dan, or Jack, or whoever. And then downstairs was Kaya, and then me. And that was it. So, like, for a while, it was, like, just me and Kaya having each other to talk to. Like, when I would get bored up here by myself, or I'd be prepping the the show, or whatever, I'd go downstairs, I'd talk to Kaya, and we'd... She would be my socialization for the afternoon. She would be my my contact. She'd be my fun. You know, we'd share laughs, and we'd talk about things, and... um. You know, we talk about how the news went for her that day or what was coming up on my show. And she'd tell me, like, hey, I don't really like sports that much, but I like your show. And that that's always, like, the best compliment I can get when someone says, like, hey, I'm not really into sports, but I find your show engaging. Like, that, that to me is a big compliment, and Kai would say that to me frequently. And I love talking with her. I love getting to know her. I love hanging out with her. We became closer and closer as I got more comfortable here at DEV. Um, so I'm going to miss her. And I have immense respect for anybody that does a job for 40 years. Like, if you do any job for 40 years, I don't care what it is, I have immense respect for you. But when it's in this business, I have even greater respect for you because I know how challenging this business can be. And, look, I'm not – we're not digging ditches here, right? I'm talking for a living. I'm not solving world crisis here. We're not not making major medical breakthroughs. So – I understand that what a lot of you do is more difficult than what we do. But this business had a whole lot of challenges. And over 40 years, Kaya has been through a lot of them. She's seen a lot of them, whether it be a station going through not different ownership, but different management. That can be tough. Kaya navigated it perfectly. Kaya's done multiple jobs at the station. She has seen this industry from every perspective of which you can, whether it be on the air, producing, doing stuff behind the scenes, handling listeners that might call in, working at the front desk, being the first face that people see when they come into the building. And then, you know, got all the stuff she would have done before I even knew her. That stuff she's done in the last three years that I've known her. I can only imagine the 37 prior to that. So she is great. We're going to miss her. It's going to be weird not seeing her every single day. Um, And, uh, yeah, we're going to miss her. So, Kaya, if you are listening, which, you know, I imagine she's not. I imagine she's taken a little time here to decompress. And it's been probably what I'm sure is an emotional day for her to see all these people come back and want to celebrate her like that. So I imagine she's not listening. But if she is, I want her to know how appreciated she is one more time by the station, by the listeners, and by me because she has been great. We will move forward. We'll get into the Patriots here. Colin Cowherd, who I think is, he is the guy. Like, he is the GOAT when it comes to Sports Talk Radio. He said something yesterday I don't think I've ever disagreed with more. I'll tell you what that is next as we get ready for week 10 of your NFL season here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. I did get my text line working here, so you can get in, 802-585-3026. Steve over in Faston says, you did the right thing not letting the village grocery people know who you were, or at least not promoting who you were. And Ross says, wait, you have a sandwich named after you at the village grocery? That's very neat. Where have you been for, like, the last year, Ross? That's what, we've only been talking about this all the time. 
I mean, and seriously, the only reason I have a sub named after me is not because I am cool, important, or unique. It's because Troy, the previous owner at the Village Grocery, is cool and unique and is always willing to do weird things. Like, that is the only guy in the state, probably, who would be willing to name something after me just because he's willing to do fun and zany things. So I just happen to be the recipient of that one day. If it wasn't for him, nothing would be named after me. Although, Danny, I did have a pizza named after me for one day at uh, the old Junior's downtown in Burlington on Main Street. Um, we had the uh, the Brady Farkas slice that day. I did a show once for a previous station at the uh, old Junior's downtown on Main Street in Burlington, and we each got a slice named after us. So the Brady the Brady slice was the uh, pineapple pizza. Was there anything else special about it? Just pineapple? It was just pineapple. I think it might have had it might have had ham on it too, but it, pineapple was the main thing. I love pineapple on pizza. Half of you hate it. Half of you think it doesn't belong on pizza. Half of you think it's a fruit and fruit doesn't belong on pizza. I tell you, each of you that you're wrong. Pineapple is the best pizza that there is. I grew up on the West Coast. It's a very West Coast thing to have pineapple on pizza because they call it the Hawaiian pizza. I can eat. I can eat pineapple on pizza, whether it's just pineapple or whether it's ham and pineapple. I'm not picky. I actually prefer just pineapple as opposed to ham and pineapple, but I'll eat them both. I love them both. I will order pineapple pizza anytime I can get a slice of pizza. I will order pineapple pizza when I get a whole pizza. If Jess and I go to Domino's where you can get a two-for-one pizza deal, she can get her own pizza, and I will get a Domino's pizza with just pineapple on it. I don't care. I don't care. Any of you want to throw shade at pineapple on pizza, I think you are all wrong. I think you are all misguided. And if, you, if you've never tried it and you're knocking it, I think you're really misguided. It is absolutely delicious. It is the perfect combination of sweet and savory. It is, goes great with blue cheese on it. It goes great with no blue cheese on it. It's absolutely perfect in every single way. And if you think pineapple doesn't belong on pizza, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. Okay. Are you a pineapple on pizza guy? I'm not not. I, I'm not opposed to it. It's not something I go to, but if it's there, I'll eat it with so no you, problem. So you've had it? Yes. Okay. Some people like think pineapple... Does it deserve a right to exist if it's going to be on pizza? No. Anybody that would try it would say it tastes fine, but some people just prefer their cheese taste, and that's fine, too. Cheese is excellent. Like, like I'm a pretty simple pizza guy. Like, I don't need, like, artisan pizza. I'm not that fancy. Cheese is good. Pineapple's good. Sausage is good. Meat lover's pizza is good. Buffalo chicken is kind of my go-to if it's not pineapple. So, like, I'm good with, like, I'm pretty basic when it comes to pizza. But, like, pineapple is phenomenal. And if you're knocking it, again, I... I disagree with you. All right. I also disagree with Colin Cowherd because I, I don't know what the hell Colin's talking about yesterday, frankly. To me, Colin is the best sports radio host there is. And he's certainly the best solo sports radio host that there is, right? There have been great tandems in sports radio like Mike and Mike and stuff. Colin is the best of anybody who does it on his own. Colin said that he wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots tank for the uh top pick of the NFL draft, right? That's what he said. He wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots tank for the top pick in the draft. And he also said he thinks maybe that they have a chance at getting it, right? And so right now, the Patriots are 2-7. and seven. They are in position as of today to pick fourth in the NFL draft. So you're kind of wondering, like, okay, how can they get from fourth up to one? And Colin makes some valid points, right? He says Carolina right now is in position to have the number one pick, but their number one pick is going to Chicago. So they don't care about tanking, right? Like they're not getting their pick. So they're trying to win. So they're trying to get out of having the number one pick because they want to win games, right? They don't have this first round pick, so it doesn't matter to them about tanking. So they're going to try to win. So he thinks they're going to win some games down the stretch. That's going to knock them out. Arizona right now has the number two pick in the draft. They very well might like to have the number one pick in the draft, but they're bringing back Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is going to play this week as their quarterback. They're not holding him out unnecessarily. When Kyler Murray is your quarterback, I have a hard time believing that you are going to, that you are going to lose every game from here on out. The Cardinals will also probably get into some victories. That is what Colin is saying. I think he's probably right. The Giants right now have the number three pick. They're out Daniel Jones for the year. Tyrod Taylor is also hurt. And this guy, Tommy Danny DeVito, who's going to play quarterback for them, might not be able to win a lot of games. So Colin thinks that the Giants and Patriots will both be able to move up the draft board and have a chance to be picking one and two. 
Colin then says, don't be surprised maybe if the Patriots can leapfrog the Giants. And, Danny, here's what he said. The two that don't necessarily need to, Belichick and New England, he's got his legacy and rings. He doesn't need to win. He doesn't need to win. He can put guys on IR. <laughs> he, you know, Belichick, when the, when the Patriots were great, would just sit players out all the time. Running backs just wouldn't play. Offensive lineman, DNP. Belichick doesn't need to win, is what Colin says. Um, so he is saying that, again, Carolina's trying to win. They don't have that pick, so that's going to bump them out and therefore Chicago out. Arizona is going to win games because of Kyler Murray being there. And he says the Giants will probably lose a bunch of games and the Patriots can lose a bunch of games because Belichick doesn't need to win. What? I don't know. I've ever disagreed with something Colin has said more, Danny. Belichick doesn't need to win for his legacy. He's right about that. His legacy is set. He needs to win to keep his job. It's really that simple. If Bill Belichick goes 2-15, and 15, Bill Belichick's going to get fired. The Patriots might get the number one pick out of it, but Bill Belichick is going to get fired. Bill Belichick needs to win. The Patriots might not need to win, right? The Patriots might be better off served losing every game and getting the number one pick. The Patriots, Robert Kraft doesn't need to win. Bill Belichick needs to win. Bill Belichick is trying to save his job in New England. If Bill Belichick doesn't care about his job in New England and he wants to get traded to Washington or end up with the Chargers or whatever the other things we've talked about are, then okay. But, like, it sounds like Bill Belichick wants to coach next year. And Freddie Coleman told us the other day, like, he wants to coach in New England as far as he's concerned. So if Bill Belichick wants to coach in New England and wants the power of church and state that he has in New England and would only have in New England, Bill Belichick needs to win. Going, let's see, two and nine, that means we've played, or two and seven, we've played nine games, that means we've got eight left. Bill Belichick going six and two down the stretch and finishing eight and nine is a hell of a lot better for him than going two and 15. It might not be the best thing for the Patriots, but Bill Belichick going two and 15 gets fired. Bill Belichick going three and 14 gets fired. We're talking about, we're going to talk with Phil Perry here in a couple of minutes, Danny, 10 minutes or so. Like if they lose in Germany against the Colts, there is an outside chance that Bill Belichick gets fired this week after, you know, after this game and during the bye week. Like, Bill Belichick could be, in theory, coaching for his job this week. Don't give me this garbage that, oh, the Patriots can afford to lose, and they can afford to tank, and they can leapfrog because Belichick's legacy is already set, and he doesn't need to win. Of course he needs to win. He's fighting for his job. He's fighting for his career at this point. If this were three years ago, when Tom Brady had just left, then I could sit here and say, okay, Belichick doesn't need to win right now. He's got a long runway. He no longer has the wrong, the long runway. What is Colin talking about? What is Colin talking about? Uh, Tex says, what, I, I guess, where is Kraft on the idea of tanking? I, I, I think that ownership is probably in a tough spot with this, right? Like, I think everybody understands, I think everybody understands that tanking is a, can lead you to a great outcome in the NFL, right? Tanking can lead you to a great outcome in the NFL. Having the number one pick in the draft is better than having, like if you're not going to make the playoffs, having the number one pick in the draft is the next best thing, right? Going 7-10 and 10 doesn't do you a lot of good. Going 2-15 and 15 can lead you to a lot of organizational good. I think Robert Kraft acknowledges that. I think he understands that just like we all do. As for where Robert Kraft is on the tanking, why is it a tough thing? Robert Kraft is not in the business of his football team losing. Robert Kraft, remember, he will gladly tell you, before he was a Patriots owner, he was a Patriots fan. He sat in the bleachers at Schaefer Stadium and watched the team lose, and he was he was preferring the team to win. That's why he has valued winning so much over his tenure. He is a Patriots fan. So I think that he wants to see the Patriots win football games. He may understand that it's better for them to tell, or that it can lead to a good thing if they tank and if they lose. But I think he ultimately would prefer 
this team to win football games. It's a tough dynamic there. It's a tough dynamic for the fans. I want to see the Patriots win. I understand that tanking could, or that losing a bunch can lead something, lead to something great, right? It could lead to Trevor Lawrence. It could lead to the next, you know, the next Drew Bledsoe, who the Patriots got with the number one pick in the draft. It could lead to all of that. But I still don't want to see them lose on a weekly basis. But here, here's what I know. I don't know what Robert Kraft is feeling. I know what Bill Belichick is feeling. What Bill Belichick is feeling is pressure. Bill Belichick cannot afford to lose games like Colin says he is. That, that You know what that is? And it's no knock on Colin. That is a national guy who has to pay attention to everything that isn't plugged into what's happening here locally. Right? I'm, I'm hyper-focused on what's happening regionally here. I know that Bill Belichick can't afford to lose. If you asked me to go speak about what's happening in Jacksonville, I would be making gross generalities as well because I have no idea what's happening in Jacksonville. That's kind of what Colin is doing here. He's, he's stretched very, very thin, and he missed the mark on this one. I'll give him a pass for it because I like him so much. He's stretched so thin that he missed the mark on this. Belichick cannot afford to lose. I think this game's huge. Right, And Freddie told us earlier this week, Danny, that he thinks this game is huge as well. They're not making the playoffs. They're not winning the Super Bowl. The biggest thing they have this year now is going abroad and getting the Patriot brand out in front of people. Well, if the Patriot brand beats the Colts 27-3, to that's good. If the Patriot brand loses to the Colts 27-3, to that's horrific. That's catastrophic. And that could lead to some change in the organization. That's why I think Belichick has an outside chance at fighting for his job this week. It is uh, it's a big one. It is a big one for Bill Belichick. I, I don't know if the Patriots will win. Are the Patriots better than the Colts? I would think so. I thought the Patriots were better than the Commanders. They ended up losing that game, too. And this one's not at home. This is on a neutral field, on a field you don't know that well. By the way, our pregame show is going to begin at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday. That's 6.30 in the morning. Phil Perry, our Pats Insider, NBC Sports Boston. He's going to join us after the CBS News here on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on this Friday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Reminder, Shorter show today. We're only on for another 30 minutes or so. We're going to have Norwich Hockey coming up at 6.35 with the pregame show. 7 o'clock, the puck drops as the cadets take on UMass Boston for the start of a doubleheader home weekend at Kreisberg Arena. Johnson uh, and Wales tomorrow. Craig Durham will be on the call. We've got Patriots football coming up Sunday morning. Yes, that's right, Sunday morning. Our pregame show begins at 6.30 a.m. 9.30 is the kickoff between the Patriots and Colts, a couple of under 500 teams. I'm sorry to the people of Germany who have to witness this one. This is no Chiefs and Dolphins from last week, that's for sure. So Patriots and Colts to talk about that and all things Patriots right now is our guy Phil Perry, Pat's Insider at NBC Sports Boston, who's with us every Friday. Phil, thank you as always. How are you? Doing great, Brady. I am stateside. Did not make the trip to Germany, uh, but that means that I get to cover our game uh, via the pre- and post-game show on NBCSportsBoston.com, and I get to talk to my guy, Brady. So it's a, it's a good day. Well, I appreciate that. Are you ready for what is, I assume, like a uh, 5 a.m. wake-up call, you know, 6 a.m. to the studio, 6 6.30 make-up kind of day? Uh, no, so thank God it won't be that aggressive. It will not be that aggressive. Um, we have an 8.30 pregame show leading into the 9.30 game. So uh, we'll have some fun. It will be there around uh, 7.45, 8 o'clock or so. We'll go over uh, some things. So we'll fine-tune some things. But, you know, by this time of the week, Brady, just like any good NFL team, the, the hay's already in the bar. Man. <laughs> Phil, why is J.C. Jackson still on the roster? I think it comes down to talent. Now, I know some of my friends uh, at 98.5 The Sports Hub and at NBC Sports Boston have both said, whether it's Mike Felger, Ted Johnson, or others, well, it's just because he's cheap. I, I guess that's, that's part of it, for sure. Money always plays a factor when it comes to roster decisions. But you know who else would be cheap? Any guy off the street that they would replace J.C. Jackson with. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nobody out there that's making a ton of money that you are bypassing by paying the now suddenly cheap J.C. Jackson because the Chargers ate the vast majority of his salary when um, 
he made his way to the East Coast. So I would say money is a part of it, but it really is. It, it comes down to just how thin the Patriots are in terms of their overall talent, and even specifically at the cornerback position, if you want to take a microscope to it. They're just not in a position, Brady, for a team that wants to win games, and they do still want to win games. Bill Belichick wants to win every time he's on the field. He is chasing that record, and he wants this season to, if there's any opportunity for him to try to salvage this thing by season's end, he's going to leverage all of those different decision make, uh, de- decisions excuse me, that he can make to do that. So one of them is don't let go of players with some high-end talent. And that's why both, to me, both Jackson and Jack Jones are here. Brady, when they were good in years past and they had good teams and they were deep and they had Tom Brady and they were going to win 10 games almost no matter what happened to the roster, both of these guys, in my opinion, wouldn't be here. Hmm. But they are because the team thinks they can play a little bit and because they know they are not in any position to be letting go of talent. Phil, the other night on NBC Sports Boston, Albert Breer was on, and he was talking about some of the concern the coaches have about Mac Jones being too timid, not making throws, you know, that play against Washington where he tucked the ball and ran for three yards. And I I continue to look at it like, haven't they made him play scared? Like they have, they have told him so many times, don't turn the ball over, don't turn the ball over, don't try to do more you can do. The, well, the, the answer to that, Burt Breer's like, oh, he's not taking the coaching. I'm like, isn't he taking the coaching too well where he's not willing to do anything other than just, you know, tuck the ball and run for three yards because it's the safest thing to do? Yeah, I think it's fair. I, I think, listen, and Albert is very plugged in and talks to a number of the number of people in the building. And, and I could just tell you as well from my reporting, like, the responses you get to how the offense is performing differs a bit depending on who you talk to. Now, if you were to talk to someone, uh, for instance, right after that commander's game, the complaint would not immediately be about Mac Jones in some corners of the building. It would be, well, I mean, we're throwing a Jalen Rager down the field and the guy that we paid this off season can't secure a catch to put us in field goal range to tie the game. Yeah. You know, like, like the, the, the weaponry, the personnel, around the quarterback is a disaster. It's a mess. Now, that does not excuse the quarterback from playing the way he has because as an individual, regardless of protection, regardless of the weapons that he's throwing to, he has made some horrible decisions. And I think some of those are too timid, as as you put it. It's, it's being sped up and being afraid to make a mistake. And then there have been other times where he's been far too careless with the ball, Brady. So he his mistakes run the gamut. And that, I think, the inconsistency that they get from the quarterback, both on game days and in practice, it's my understanding, is a little maddening. And and you could understand why, because they just – it's too often that they, they aren't entirely sure what they're going to get from the most important position on the team. And I think if they had a better option, Brady, or if they had any sort of reasonable option, not even necessarily 100% lock it in better than Mac Jones, even if they thought there was somebody who would give them a chance to get something better than Mac Jones, I think you'd see that guy by now. But I, I, the way they have put together that quarterback room this year, that's just not the case. That's why you continue to see Mac. Phil Perry, Pats Insider, NBC Sports Boston, with us here on Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Pats and Colts this uh, Sunday from Germany. We've got the coverage for you, beginning with the pregame show at 6.30. The kickoff is 9.30. You know, Phil, I, I don't watch every second of NBC Sports Boston programming, but I know what we're doing on this show, and I know most of the stuff I watch for you guys. It feels like I haven't talked about the game in like a month which feels very, very odd to me. Like, nothing has been about, oh, how do you beat the Blitz, or how do you get this guy open, or what about this scheme or that scheme? It's been all about this other stuff. Are you feeling the same way? It feels very weird to me. Times have changed, and, and you're talking to a guy that, that loves that stuff. I mean, I, I would love to really dig into every single matchup and try to figure out how this game is going to be won or lost. And it's just not what matters right now in the grand scheme of things. You know, if of course, if Gardner Minshew ends up tearing them apart with a certain type of concept and a certain pattern and a certain read over and over and over again. You know, will it, would it have been nice if we had at some point gone over that during the week leading up to the game? Yes. But still the big picture debate is, okay, well then what happens now? I mean, if, you know, let's just like go through the variety of different outcomes that we could see in this game and look at it from a 30,000 foot view and wonder what happens with the quarterback. Wonder what happens with the head coach. Wonder what the owner's reaction to all of this is. 
and and, and go from there. The, the Belichick angle specifically and the Mac Jones angle to a slightly lesser degree are such dominant storylines that the matchups themselves really don't even matter. And Brady, I would even argue the wins and losses, I'm not sure, matter. Right now it's about the product. If they lose 24-23 in Indy and Mac Jones has a B-minus, C-plus, C-level game, nothing changes. And there there's no impact necessarily on their season other than maybe they move up a slot on the draft board come the spring. But if they get blown out, if it's a Saints-style game or a Cowboys-style loss, then there could be real change that gets made at, at all levels of the organization, midseason even. I wouldn't completely mm. rule that out. So th- that's really what we're talking about now is just it's the it's the product itself. Is how does it look? And it's not really about the outcomes, which, of course, we're not accustomed to here. Phil, the reason for firing a coach midseason, I think, is often to get a jump on the hiring cycle and or get a look at your interim head coach and see if that guy can be the guy. I have argued against that because I have just assumed that Gerard Mayo was always going to be the next guy. And, like, why would you want to put him in a position to have this team and go 0-6 and and have everybody be mad at him going into the offseason? So I've railed against doing that. But we've heard all the stuff about Vrabel being the home run hire and all that. Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that Gerard Mayo is next in line? So, first of all, Mike Vrabel is still under contract. And so that storyline is amusing to me. I mean, he's got more power there than he ever has. And I guess if the season doesn't go well, you know, then maybe that's more reason for ownership there uh, to let Vrabel walk. But until he's available, that is a pie-in-the-sky sort of quest as far as I'm concerned. And when it comes to what you already have in-house in Gerard Mayo, does Vrabel represent something all that different other than head coaching experience, which is valuable for sure. Uh, But we're watching, for example, a young, defensive-minded, African-American head coach exceed expectations, and I think significantly so, in large part because it appears as though they've ended up with the best quarterback in last year's draft down in Houston in D'Amico Ryan. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the Crafts, I want that. You know, that's an energized team. That's a team that is young, that is rebuilding, that is responding to its head coach, that looks at that guy and says, that guy's been in my shoes before. He understands how this thing goes and a guy who's going to take a, a different approach to player relationships even than Vrabel would. Now, Vrabel is not on the Belichick scale in terms of player relationships, but I, I think he is much more in the middle between Belichick and what Mayo would be uh, than being sort of a, a on-the-cutting-edge kind of player's coach, which I think honestly thrives. In today's game, you look at Dan Campbell, who I, I think is, and I believe our guy, Albert Breer, in Sports Illustrated, just took a poll of executives across the league, and, and he is the odds-on paper through half a season to be coach of the year. Mm. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, player's coach. Mike McDaniel, player's coach. Do these guys know football? Of course. In, in Campbell's case, he played. In McDaniel's case, he is a brilliant offensive mind. In both cases, players believe that they are being made better by those guys. And I think you could get the same thing from Mayo, and I don't think it, I don't think Vrabel would represent all that much of an upgrade. To answer your question in a very long-winded fashion, Brady, yes, I do believe Mayo is the odds-on favorite. Is it a lock that it happens? I wouldn't say it's a lock because they do have to abide by the Rooney rule. Even if they hire an African-American like Mayo, you still have to uh, handle your search in the appropriate manner according to league rules. And so – you know, if the season goes completely sideways and they lose three more games by 30, Brady, you know, is, is Mayo a lock to be back as a guy who essentially runs the defense? No. But but he would be the odds-on favorite as far as I'm concerned. There's a reason ownership wanted to keep him around this past offseason. Phil, I'll get you out of here on this, picking up on a point that uh, that you just said here, kind of about coaching styles and coaching philosophies. One of the reasons that I love Dan Campbell, and I think Dan Campbell works in Detroit specifically, is because he's got this very collegiate-type mindset, right? You know, he, he rallies the troops. And I think a very young team, a team that has guys like Jared Goff, who have been kind of discarded and need that kind of re-rallying in their career, I think that's very good for those guys. And I think Tua needed that, and McDaniel represents that. I'm curious, do you think that style works with an extremely veteran team? Like, I watched my Seahawks as they got older and more expensive no longer respond to Pete Carroll and his energy. Pete Carroll's better with a younger team. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on that. 
That's a great question. I think, listen, I just think it's the way that players are wired now. It is just very different than it was a long time ago, and maybe not even a long time ago. I think it, I think players are wired differently than they were when, for instance, that Bobby Wagner, Richard Seymour, Earl Thomas team was coming of age out there in Seattle. I think things are, are so different, in fact, now that even guys who would be considered veterans are still uh, of the new age mindset mm-hmm. when it comes to the modern day. So in my opinion, players, coaches, quote unquote, will be even more valuable the with every passing year. Mm-hmm. And because the young guys are certainly going to be wired that way. The, the guys that aren't wired that way are aging out of the league. And even the ones who would be in their prime veterans are probably also wired that way. The millennial type of wiring or the Gen Z type of wire, whatever you want to call it. I just think um, that style has, has taken over for a reason. And I think it's one of the reasons why you just saw Josh McDaniels fired in Vegas, Brady, in all honesty. That, that, is, that is how the Patriots and the, are viewed, essentially, is what you're hearing about Josh McDaniels. The only reason it, it has worked much longer is because the buy-in is much greater because it's Bill Belichick who's running the show and not an offensive coordinator who worked for Bill Belichick who doesn't have the same kind of clout. But players look at at the Patriots and say, my God, is it hard to work there? And and my God, is that a miserable place to be, especially if it's not going well? I spoke to one – I'll just give you one example. The one free agent told me this past offseason the advice he was getting from veteran players across the league was don't go to Vegas and don't go to New England wow. because they're viewed as having the same kind of culture. And for the modern athlete, that's a really hard thing to sell. So – if and when they make the move from Bill Belichick, and I give him credit for adapting over the years to a degree, Brady, but if and when they make the move from Bill Belichick, there's going to be, there's going to have to be a significant shift in terms of the coaching staff to, to player relationship because it's just it's not it's not the modern game anymore the way that it's it's generally speaking handled here in Foxborough. Phil, I don't know that I see it from you, but I do see it from Tom Curran. Will will, will he be wearing a leader hosen on Sunday morning? <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that he has um, multiple options to choose from when it comes to that. Brady, you will not see me. I, if I can come across one of those great hats with the flat, with the uh, the feather in them, yeah. and, and I don't know what you would call that. I'm sure there's a name for it. But it, if if uh, I can come across one of those between now and Sunday, uh, you you bet your you bet your steins that uh, I'll be rocking one of those for sure. A feathered fedora for our guy, Phil Perry. So, Phil, uh, love it. Love much it. appreciated. Enjoy the game. We'll catch up next week. Thank you. All right, Brady. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. There goes Phil Perry. He is the best when it comes to Patriots coverage. And, and Danny's right. Like it's, it's, We're talking very little about the actual games now. And I have never been in this situation where I have not talked about the games. Right? Like, I have... I've always been like, oh, how are we going to beat the Blitz? And what do we do if they're playing a zone? And what do we do about the pass rush? And what about the offensive line? And what if they have to slide protection and all that? And it's like, we don't talk about any of that anymore because none of that matters anymore. Absolutely none of that matters anymore at this point. I I am totally with Phil on the players coach thing, on the dynamic of modern day coaching. I think you got to be a guy who shows love and belief in your guys. And that sounds corny, and I know it's not always kumbaya stuff, but I think you got to be today a little bit of that collegiate guy, right? You can't always be the tough SOB. I don't think guys respond to that. I certainly don't think when guys make as much money as they do and they make so much more than their coach, I don't think they respond to that stuff. I do think the way to get the best out of your employees, whether it's you know, whether it's you work at a cereal factory or you or you work for an NFL football team, the way to get the best out of your employees, I do believe, is showing love, showing affection, showing that you care, and then treating guys accordingly. Yes, you can come down on guys. Yes, you can be disappointed in guys' efforts. Yes, you can convey anger. But you can't always be sullen, which is what the old gruff coaches appear to be. I just don't think that that works. I don't think that you get the buy-in from guys, right? Dan Campbell works because he truly shows that he cares about his guys, right? You watch the the, the, the post-game 
locker room celebrations with the Lions. You can tell there's real love there. There's real affection there. There's real hurt there. There's real emotion there. Kevin O'Connell, I think, is bringing some of that in Minnesota. I, I just think you got to be that kind of guy. All right. We got a couple minutes left here uh, before we get over to Norwich Hockey. Danny, I want you to fire up the uh, music here so we can get to our six pack of NFL questions. So, uh, you ready with that? All right, let's go. All right, give me the big voice guy, question number one. The best game of the NFL weekend is. Best game of the NFL weekend? Well, speak of the devil. How about Lions Chargers? This game, Sunday at 405. I think these two teams are wildly entertaining, right? I love the Lions because I love the story. The Lions, I don't think, have won a playoff game in my entire life. Like, the Lions haven't won a playoff game in my entire life. I love Dan Campbell. I love that affection he shows his team. I love the way they respond to him. I love Jared Goff getting picked up off the mat and now being a certainly a Pro Bowl guy, not an MVP candidate, but certainly a Pro Bowl type player. It's a Lions team that's 6-2 and two right now. They're on top of the NFC North, and the Chargers are just wildly entertaining. Again, for a different reason. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Justin Herbert. They have one of the most vexing head coaches in the NFL in Brandon Staley. Every Chargers game, except for the one against the Jets on Monday, appears to be wild. Right? Like, they're just wild games. They're going for it on fourth down at their own 30. It's coming down to the end. They're not punting when they're supposed to. They're not kicking field goals when they're supposed to. They're immensely entertaining. They're constantly close. Herbert is electric. So you get Dan Campbell. I get Justin Herbert. I get this game on the West Coast in the late time block. I'm absolutely going to be watching this game. I'm enthralled by it. Give me Lions, Chargers in a close game down to the wire. I think the Chargers are going to win this one. I don't know why I think that because they've constantly failed us so many times. I think the Chargers are going to win this one. It just feels like even on a short week, playing at home, feels like a game they have a chance to win. Danny. The game that intrigues us most is. Yeah, Browns at Ravens. Okay, this is a divisional battle inside the, inside the AFC North. The AFC North right now has every team over 500. The Browns are tied for last place and they are five and three. The Browns are four and one at home, but only one and two on the road. Now there's a lot of stuff going on here. The Ravens are looking like a Super Bowl team. Like they are looking like a team that could win a Super Bowl. The C- my Seahawks, I think, are above average. The Ravens beat them 37 to three last week. The Lions, I think, are above average. The Ravens beat them 38-6. to Both those games were at home. They were both blowouts. The Ravens are at home again. Now, the Browns have a very good defense. Can that defense, led by Miles Garrett, can it get to Lamar Jackson? Because Lamar Jackson, last week against Seattle, looked like MVP Lamar again. He was that good. He was that on point. They ran the ball for over 300 yards. It didn't matter if it was this new guy, Mitchell, or Gus Edwards, or Lamar himself. And then, oh, by the way, there's, uh, you know, Zay Flowers. And, oh, by the way, there's OBJ. And, oh, by the way, there's still Mark Andrews. The Ravens look excellent. We'll see if they can stay excellent. The Browns have one of the top defensive units in the league. They really can get after the quarterback. Deshaun Watson's going to play. You know, they're coming off a shutout, but of the Clayton Toon-led Cardinals. So, like, I don't know how good the Browns are, but they are 5-3. and three. It is a divisional matchup. It is two teams that do not like each other, two cities that do not like each other, two fan bases that do not like each other. That makes for an immensely intriguing Sunday. Could the Browns upset the Ravens? Yes. Could the Ravens whitewash another team and win 40-6? to six? Yes, they could. Because I don't know, this game's intriguing. Danny. The Bar Rescue Game of the Week is... Yeah, Kevin Ellis, when I was on Vermont Viewpoint this week, asked me, like, oh, how cool is the Manning cast, like, when you're watching Monday Night Football? And you know what I said? I said, I don't watch Monday Night Football. Why? Because the matchups all stink. This matchup stinks. I won't be watching Monday Night Football again this week. Jets at Raiders. I'm good. I'm seeing, uh, excuse me, Sunday Night Football, not Monday Night Football. Regardless, I ain't watching that either. Okay, I'll find me an NBA game to watch on Sunday night. Okay, Monday Night Football, Broncos, Bills, I might watch that one. Jets, Raiders, I'll take Sunday night off. I've seen enough Zach Wilson for a lifetime. Somebody called Aiden O'Connell is now the starting quarterback 
for the for the uh, Oakland Las Vegas Los Angeles Raiders. I'm good. Don't need to watch that. But I'd rather watch an NBA re- repeat on YouTube than watch this game. Next. The player we want to watch most this week is... Future Hall of Famer Josh Dobbs. I mean, why wouldn't I want to watch Josh Dobbs here? The Josh Dobbs story was incredible last week. Saints are at the Vikings. Josh Dobbs gets to play at home. He had he goes out and wins against Atlanta last week with two practices under his belt. He doesn't even know his teammates' names. This is the kind of stuff that di- there will be a Disney movie made about Josh Dobbs in the next 15 years. This guy's got like an astrophysicist degree. He's like the smartest guy ever. He can win games on two days of practice. You get him out of Arizona and you get him playing with a Vikings team and a competent head coach offensively. That's pretty good. And oh, by the way, Justin Jefferson listed as questionable. Don't think he's going to play, but there's a chance. Jordan Addison looks pretty darn good. So, yeah, I want to watch Josh Dobbs this week. I don't really care about the Saints. I like Josh Dobbs. Next. The player with the most pressure this week is? Yeah, Brock Purdy. All of a sudden, it's Brock Purdy. 49ers, Brock Purdy went from MVP candidate to now the 49ers having lost three straight. Now, they're coming off a bye. But they got to go with one of the furthest trips you can make in the NFL and go to Jacksonville. By the way, Jacksonville, along with the Bengals, I believe, has the longest winning streak in the NFL. The Jags are 6-2. and two. They're atop the AFC South. They've kind of done it unspectacularly, but they're atop the AFC South. Trevor Lawrence is very good. Travis Etienne is very good. They've got Calvin Ridley, who's very good. Are the Jags a Super Bowl contender? No, but and the Niners are, but only if Brock Purdy can play better. Like, Brock Purdy, you get some guys injured, get some guys out. Now everybody's talking about you being exposed. Brock Purdy, under the most pressure to get a dub this week. You've lost three straight. You've had extra time to prepare off a bye. It is a tough trip. It's in that 1 o'clock window, the West Coast team going east. There's a lot of stuff going against you here. Brock Purdy, most pressure. The most amazing NFL stat of the weekend is... The Packers are playing the Steelers in Pittsburgh, Danny. The Packers have not won in Pittsburgh since 1970. Bart Starr was the quarterback the last time the Packers won in Pittsburgh. It has been 53 years. Now, they don't play each other all that often, right? The Packers, I believe, have only played five games in Pittsburgh since 1970. They've lost them all. 53 years since the Packers won in Pittsburgh. There's your stat of the weekend. Jordan Love against Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, I'm calling bootleg Morgan Wallen now. Morgan Wallen, Danny, you're not into the country music scene probably, but Kenny Pickett looks like like long-haired Morgan Wallen. Can you see that? Do you no. know who Morgan Wallen is? Kind of. Okay, well, if you looked at Morgan Wallen, Kenny Pickett looks like him. Take um, your word for it. Phil Perry's going to be up on our podcast channel momentarily. The full show is going to be up on our podcast channel momentarily. That was our six-pack of NFL questions. We've got about 60 seconds left before Norwich Hockey. Danny, you're not bailing, right? We're going to dinner after this show? Oh, we're going. Okay. The Celtics are playing the Nets at 7 o'clock in the in-season tournament with the Green Corps. That's what the DVR is for. Are you going to be okay missing some of that? We'll be okay. Are we going to have to ask them to turn the game on at the bar for us? We might. We might. Are you going to be okay watching it, like, half in, half out, or do you have to be intently in your I'll chair? I'll go back and watch it later. It's okay. You'll go back and watch it later, even That's if we watch something. That's the kind of fan already. I am. It's a little bit crazy. It is. It's a little bit crazy. We'll see if you can keep up with me today, because okay. we need some good stories for Monday's show. I need to see if you can keep up. Probably not. We'll but we'll see. We'll see if you can. Brady Farkas' show is out. Danny and I are going out. If you see us on the town in Waterbury, say what's up. Get the Brady Farkas sub over at the Village Grocery next time you're there. Go download the podcast. Norwich Hockey is next on DEV.